Hi, I'm Chimsy. And I'm Hazel. I'm Malawian. I'm Scottish. And together in partnership, we're hosting the People to People podcast. In Chichewa, it's Antu We're exploring the unique partnership between Scotland and Malawi by having people to people conversations. We're having conversations with as many people as possible in Scotland and Malawi to try and really dig deep into what partnership means. And to find out how people connect with people. We're going to talk about parity, aren't we, this day, this week? Yeah, yeah. And I just, I've never used the word parity before. I don't often use the word parity either. It is in the 11 partnership principles that the Scotland-Malawi partnership have got on their website. And um, it's nothing to do with actual parrots. <laughs> you know, like the birds. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> now, do you want to tell everyone what parity what parity means? Yeah, so I think it's to do with an equal, two equal parts of a partnership, isn't it? So they come yeah. in equal. We basically could have said people and equality, but then it wouldn't begin with a P and it wouldn't be nearly as satisfying to do with all of our other episodes, like yeah. people and purpose and people and principles. And it's really nice to have them all beginning with a P. So yeah. parity is a good word. I'm, it's nice to learn new words. It is. I am now going to use it all the time. Parity. Go on then. I'm trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to find a sentence I can use it in. Mm. Do you, Chimsy? Do you think you and I have parity in our partnership? Ooh. I, yes. I think we did. Do, do, yeah, me too. What What do you think? We we do the same amount of work. I think you do more work than I do, but um, yes. So much I don't parity. think I do more work than you do. I think, like, I'm ever so slightly more efficient than you are. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because I've got kids, and like, I just don't have the time to worry too much about things. That that's very true. I I'm like, oh, I'll do it. In five hours, I'll do five minutes of work in about five hours when, I don't know, it's it's terrible. But no, there is there is parity between us. But it is quite a nice feeling because basically I couldn't do this without you. And I feel like you couldn't really do this without me. I most definitely could not do this without you. <laughs> yeah, I most definitely could not do this without you. So we're completely locked in with each other. You bring your own strengths to the table, and so do I. And we come together as one. That's great. It's going really well. Yeah, so far. So in this episode, we're going to share some of the conversation we had with the former chair of the Malawi-Scotland Partnership, Andrew Namakoma. It's about people to people. It's not government to government, but we are talking about people to people. That means the, the connection is at the at the base and it goes up you know it's not the government that brought the relationship they are the people that brought the relationship then government says oh can we also join you in you know also later in this episode we ask reverend dr kenneth ross some searching questions the way the the global economy is is slanted it, it tends to be the the power and resources are in the in the global north and anyone who is responding from the global south just has to dance to the tune uh, that is uh, set by their 
all-powerful partner. And we're going to hear some stories from volunteer Lindsay McDonald about what she's seen works well and what doesn't work so well. My one biggest learning from the whole experience of living in Africa is that too many people from outside want to come in and impose their views and impose their solutions and impose their cultural preconceptions. It won't work. And if that wasn't enough, we also have a quick chat with Linda Dembo from the Malawi-Scotland Partnership. We can't have a one-size-fits-all kind of plan for our situations. We are different countries, yes, but we have something that can benefit both of us, yes. And we couldn't stop comedian Deliso Chaponda from getting a word in this episode too. What tells you more about me, Black, Malawian, Christian, right? Or science fiction writer, comedian laughs a lot, right? And I always think it's the things which you choose and the things which you are, which define you more. So our more eagle-eared listeners may have spotted that we sometimes talk about the Scotland-Malawi partnership and sometimes speak about the Malawi-Scotland partnership. And we just wanted to clarify that we're not mixing up our words. There are, in fact, two sister organisations, one in each country, which we're told is very important for parity. It is, and it also does mean that there's leadership and initiative on both sides. And we heard a bit more on how that came about in our first episode about people in the past. I'm sure you were all there, right? And if you haven't listened to that episode, then you should go back and listen. Let's hear what Andrew Namakoma from the Malawi-Scotland Partnership has to tell us about parity. First of all, if you look at we are all equal in terms of by the fact that we are all human beings, and we cannot be equal in terms of how much our pockets are full of the resources that we need, okay, there are those differences. But if I'm approaching you to say, I have these resources and you have this issue, a challenge, a gap is here, we need to fill this gap. We need actually to look at how do we create equality by saying you need to bring in 50% and we'll bring in 50%. My 50% could be in terms of knowledge, understanding of how to resolve that problem, issues of skills that are there. And you say, okay, now we'll bring in the resources that are needed to keep these people to do this job. So the, the challenge that normally I see is because we only look at money as the most valuable thing, not the skills and the knowledge and the information that the people has. If you go to the uh, rural communities, the most hit areas, the people there have, are rich because they have the information, they have the knowledge, and they have the skills to go about to deal with those problems. What they are lacking is the resources in terms of funds to help them do that job. But they're so rich in terms of information, knowledge, and understanding of how to go about that. And we need to harness and you know cherish that kind of you know wealth at that level. Can you really have equality when one country is so rich and the other is so poor? Yeah, um, that's that's another very important question as well. Uh, it's not an easy kind of relationship to balance because uh, it's, it's, there is a saying which says, he who gives, he who provides, rules the game. Okay? So it's like if I'm providing some resources in terms of um, expertise, funds, and also I have to actually have an upper role. Uh, and this is exactly what the relationship between these two 
uh, countries and bringing it down to these two organizations, Malai-Scotland Partnership and Scotland-Malai Partnership has actually been looking into how do we bring in this equality between the peoples of these two countries, all right? One should not be superior to the other because I've given you the skills or I've given you the resources or because I've given you information, then therefore I have to be above. We need to create that equality. It's not easy though, but that's something that we really need to be moving towards. And I believe not long from now, we'll reach that level where we understand to say the resources that we are providing to each other is to help each other move forward, not to pull others down. So this is a very rare model. And I remember sitting in a meeting with the Minister of International Affairs, and we are discussing to say, how can this model be, you know, rolled out to the other relationships that we have with other countries? You know, already government is looking at this as a very, very important way of doing things because it's about people to people. It's not government to government, but we are talking about people to people. That means the, the, the connection is at the, at the base and it goes up. You know, it's not the government that brought the relationship. They are the people that brought the relationship. Then government says, oh, can we also join you in? Chimsy, was that the interview when we decided on the name of this podcast? It was. I think it was. It was when we had a chat with Andrew Namakoma. We decided to name the podcast People to People. Reverend Dr. Kenneth Ross spoke with us from the veranda of his home on the Zomba Theological College campus. A warm, green, leafy, sunlit Zoom background beaming into our Drich Scottish winter. It wasn't hard to see why he's fallen in love with Malawi. So here he is telling us about tasting the first mango of the season. The first one, when you haven't tasted it for about nine months, um, it's really magical. Luckily, Ken was really up for exploring some of our difficult questions about equality in partnerships and what's really going on between Scots and Malawians. Obviously, the Western world uh, you know, has a lot of uh, assets, a lot of things that are very good in its culture, but it seems to have also lost something uh, that, that's very good about being human. Uh, and I think a lot of Scots have, have rediscovered it in, in Malawi. Uh, so when people say, you know, it's, it's all one way or they feel, you know, the resources are more stacked on the, the Scottish side, I really don't think it's true uh, because the, there's many different kinds of assets and, and resources and, and there's many respects in, in which Malawi is, is such a rich country and, and Scots have been really fortunate to benefit from that. Do I have to come to Malawi to find that? I, I, you know, I worry about flying. We were talking about this earlier. And, and there is something, yeah, like maybe slightly uncomfortable about this idea of tourism where you go in order to kind of on paper help, but actually you're just getting more from it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, it's a sharp question, uh... Hazel, and to kind of put it very, very starkly, say it was going to cost, I don't know, 1500 or 2000 pounds for you to do a nice trip to Malawi. And then you say, well, what if I just sent the, the, the 2000 pounds and it could 
you know, build a school classroom or, or uh, something like that. Um, so can you justify a, a bit of a jolly for, for yourself? And that's uh, it's not a comfortable question, I, I must admit. And I know many people in, in their projects have, have struggled with it. But again, to me, it's not like you can just go completely one way or the other, because I think if we, if we eliminate the human connection uh, and just do a lot of cash transfers, then the thing is going to wither. So there has to be that inspiring human connection, which, uh, I mean, of course, I think especially in this COVID time, we've discovered you can do things like we're doing now. But I think in the longer term, there, there's still going to be the need to, you know, go either way and have your feet on the ground for, for a little while and uh, share space and share food and be together. But you're, you're quite right. It, it needs to be balanced. We need to be environmentally conscious. We need to be good stewards of, of resources. And I think, you know, maybe in the post-COVID world, you know, one of the things we'll be rethinking is is all this jumping on planes just maybe several times a year, shooting off somewhere sunny. There's a lot to think about there. Ken, where do you think the power is in the relationship that Scotland and Malawi has now? Where, where is the power in, in the relationship? Obviously, we want things to be equal. The way the, the global economy is, is slanted, it, it tends to be the, the power and resources are in the, in the global north. And uh, anyone who is responding from the global south just has to dance to the tune uh, that is uh, set by their all-powerful partner. Scotland and Malawi set out to go in a very different direction. I think it was the idea of, of, of human dignity was was very important that we start from a a mutual recognition of of our human dignity and and a mutual respect and build from there because uh, i think that's that's pretty unusual in, in international development i think one of the things that's really stayed with me um is what ken ross just said where he talks about the global economy and how the global north has majority of the power and resources and anyone in the global south just has to respond to that which then got me thinking you know can there ever truly be an equal partnership between scotland and malawi or any other country that finds themselves in the position that malawi and scotland are in do you know what would really help you to answer that question chimsy tell me hazel I had a, a oh, I don't know, a whole series of podcasts really exploring the unique relationship between Scotland and Malawi. Maybe like 10 episodes or so. That sounds great. And I'm going to subscribe right away and really get to the bottom of all of this. Thank you. Oh, no problem at all. <laughs> so you're listening to the People to People podcast. Getting close up and person to personal with the unique relationship between Scotland and Malawi. <laughs> So now you're going to hear from Lindsay McDonald, who tells us about her experience of living and volunteering in Malawi. So I was volunteering with the Wildlife and Environmental Society in Blantyre. My first job was to uh, catalogue the library there, which was amazing. The library was actually used as a study place for lots of the local teenagers at school. It was a quiet and free place. They could go and study and do their, do their homework. 
these pupils were often charged to go into libraries to sit and study. And Wesham offered a free place for them. So they actually didn't use the books in the library, but they used the tables and the desks to do their schoolwork. Eight to 10 people could sit around the tables. The walls were lined with books, books and bookshelves. And in the corner was the Blantyre Branch Wildlife Club's coordinator, Oswood, Oswood Benongwe. And he did his job from that desk. So he supervised the library, but he also dealt with over 350 local wildlife clubs. The other, the big memory I have is we had an old Toyota Baki and I would go round with Oswood um, in the car. The back was absolutely full of tree seedlings. So sometimes we would provide seeds, sometimes we would provide tree seedlings, you know, they'd grown about 30 centimetres. We also piled in watering cans, the slashers, the other equipment, and we'd drive round for a whole day going to different wildlife clubs and dropping these off. We would give these things to wildlife clubs when they showed a determination that that was what they wanted to do. We didn't impose, we didn't say, Wesham says, you must do this, we're going to deliver it, because that doesn't work. People have to understand and they have to want to do things for them for themselves and to do things for their own environment. My one biggest learning from the whole experience of living in Africa is that too many people from outside want to come in and impose their views and impose their solutions and impose their cultural preconceptions. And that it won't work. People want to do and live the way they want to live. And people from outside just need to appreciate that. I think that's really the heart of our podcast, actually. And that's why we're going to like people to people and trying to really look at where the examples are of equal partnerships. But what's equally interesting, perhaps, is the examples of where it doesn't work. So I don't know if you have any particular examples of where somebody's come and tried to impose something that hasn't settled well? The heartbreaking example I remember, the local forestry department wanted to do something about deforestation around the area of Rumve. So Oswood went, went out and chatted with wildlife clubs in that area and chatted with community wildlife clubs and explained what Wesham, in partnership with the Department of Forestry, could do. We could train them, we could probably provide some basic equipment. And a lot of people in that area said, well, are you going to pay us? What had happened was years before, the EU had seen that there was a need for tree growing forestry in that area. They'd come out, they trained people, so they paid people to go to the training session. They then paid them to grow seedlings and they paid them for three or four years afterwards to look after the seedlings but then the money ran out and the project was deemed a success because up to that point the trees had survived but as as soon as there was no longer money coming in the people stopped looking after the trees and they all died trees need water particularly in malawi particularly in the dry season when there is no water whatsoever so that was quite devastating because these communities had got used to international aid coming in and paying them 
they hadn't really appreciated the local need for doing something for their own environment. They were just doing it because they were being paid. And we gave up because there was no way they were going to grow trees for themselves and for their own good. And in the interest of parity, we're also going to hear about a project Lindsay thought did have successful partnership and was working really well. Wesham and lots of other local NGOs were putting pressure on the government to uh, ban the microplastics, you know, the single-use thin blue plastic bags that you buy your chips in and and other things. The clubs around Blantyre had a theatre competition and an art competition to demonstrate this. And there was such a an incredible range of theatre pieces performed by pupils on the theme of plastic waste and how families should uh, approach it. It was uh, tearing up, sorry. Oh. It's wonderful to, you know, that the young generation are are understanding the, the need to protect our environment and our wildlife. And that, that's great partnership because that happened only two or three years ago. So we in Britain ran a fundraising campaign so so that Wesham could fund the activities that people wanted to do in Malawi to make the point about plastics. And it was their message. It was local people's message. You mentioned about chips in a bag. I have tried to explain to someone what the process of buying chips in a bag and having the chips is like but it it, it it's such a hard it's such a hard thing to do have you able have you been able to explain to someone and for them to get the reality of eating chips from a bag with salad and eggs oh well well i mean it's just you go up country and it's one of the great treats isn't it you see it stalls is. on the side of the road and they've got hot oil they're quite small but thick chips aren't they? It's more like a wok rather than a deep fat fryer. And you buy a bag of chips. You buy a bag of chips like you do in Britain. I I don't know what they do now because they can't put them in the blue, the single-use plastic bags, but they put them in there and you can put salt on and you get... I I didn't used to take the salad because I just wanted the chips and then Mm -hmm. you stand by the stall eating them. I don't know if it's being in an environment where you're outside and don't care. It's, it's a weird thing to explain to someone. But I think if someone experiences it, then it's like so beautiful. Hi, I'm Hazel. And I'm Chimsy. And you're listening to the People to People podcast. We're exploring the unique partnership between Scotland and Malawi. And in this episode, we're talking about people and parity. Our next guest, Deliso Chaponda, has been introduced as many things, including comedian, writer, Britain's Got Talent finalist, and Malawi's greatest export. I'm going to introduce him as just one of the many fine things in the constellation of Africa-UK relationships. If every time you see Africa, it's starving children, it creates a warped understanding of what there is in Africa, right? Now, that's one thing which is there. But if... In the same month, you watched an Oxfam ad, right? You read a book by Ben Okri, right? You watched some Nollywood, right? And you listened to some Afrobeats. 
then you would be taking in that charity ad in the context of, oh, this is just one of the many things in the constellation of Africa. While often some people, the only thing they get is that. I've had people who pity me and say things like, you've come so far, it's so inspiring, based on nothing. Just knowing that I'm from Africa, they imagine I had some Oliver Twist upbringing. And it's just because all they've seen is that's what happens in Africa. So it's, it's, I, I, I always think it's more just having a diversity. Yeah. yeah, so like I have a lot of white friends here and in Malawi, I don't necessarily have a lot of friends. And it's the question of, I, I'm always questioning my identity. When I go back to Malawi, I'm like, I am fully Malawian, but everyone around me will say otherwise. And then here, I'm also like this outside person who doesn't necessarily belong. Well, my radio show is called Citizen of Nowhere, right? Because I actually kind of think, at the end of the day, it's all nonsense, right? It's all a game we choose to play, right? We're all just human beings, right? And you are defined more by the friends you've grown up with, the kind of parents you had. All these things make you you more than your nation, right? And I was thinking about it. I have more in common with a comedian from any country than I do any random any random Malawian, right? Because I always think that it's weird that they try to define us by things which we don't choose, like your race, your gender, things which you're born to, right? And this is how society defines you as opposed to the groups you choose. What tells you more about me? Black, Malawian, Christian, right? Or science fiction writer, comedian, laughs a lot, right? And I always think it's the things which you choose and the things which you are, which define you more. We put this podcast together in 2021, whilst travel is near enough impossible. But we have been able to have an equal number of conversations with Scots and Malawians via the internet. A step towards striving for some parity in the voices represented. Though we're aware that most Malawians still don't have access to the internet, so we're only getting a sliver of society. However, had we made this podcast five years ago, even that would have been very difficult. Power cuts are one thing, but now you can actually get very fast, reliable internet in Malawi, which was not the case four years ago. Um, It is unfortunately really expensive. Um, It is very expensive. It is very expensive. Yeah, I think it's about £60 a month. But I remember just five years ago, literally having dial-up speeds. (laughs) No, no. So it, it, we're moving forward slowly, but we're, at least we're moving forward. Yeah. Yeah, but like there's so much infrastructure to do with water and like yeah. food security. Will that come first or will people be like... And oh, roads. Roads oh, is another yeah. big one. They, they need just better roads because that stagnates everything. I am invigorated by the fact that every time I go back, things are a bit better, right? But just a little bit, right? Just a little bit. We're in the middle of a 50-year project while I wish it was a 10-year project. Now it's time to end this episode with a lovely snippet from our WhatsApp call with Linda Dembo from the Malawi and Scotland Partnership. You know, our partnership is unique because it has, uh, it, it, it has mutual benefits 
So it's not about another country being superior. I mean, Scotland being superior to Malawi or Malawi being superior to Scotland. So they, because of that mutual benefit and because um, there's that respect for each other, um, it, it brings in a different type of land. And so what is happening is that Malawi is going to borrow the things that are, uh, um, Scotland is doing. We are different countries. Yes, but we have something that can benefit both of us. Yes, let's. And um, so, Scotland has a platform with Malawi to say if they want to try out something, they can, you know, come to us and then we can try it out together. <laughs> Thank you. Zikomo. 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 <laughs> What's this? <laughs> Maybe I'll be able to converse in Chichewa by the end of the project. I, I really hope so. Do you think you can do that? By episode four, maybe we can do an introduction in Chichewa. Like the whole introduction? Yeah, just, <laughs> just two minutes. Okay, I'm, I'm really game for this. So episode one, it's like, hi, how are you doing? This is episode two. We're really getting to know each other. Let's swap details, you know? Yeah. Where can people find us? We could be friends on Facebook. We could follow each other on Instagram. We can be on Twitter together or they can email us. If you would like to email us, it's people to people pod at gmail.com. We would really actually love to hear from people. Like we want this podcast to be a space for people to talk to each other. It's only going to work if you join in. So subscribe, leave us a review, tell your friends and we'll meet you back here for the next episode. Yeah. The next episode is People and Purpose. We discuss water pumps, women's community enterprises, there's music from the Whaling Brothers, and we'll also hear from Kate Webb at Orbis Expeditions. How much right do we have as a business partner to say, could you tell us exactly where that money's going? Is it going to the health clinic? Is it going to the school? Or is it lining your pocket? Today we're going to be played out by pupils of the Edinburgh Girls High School in Mizuzu recorded in 2018 when they visited Edinburgh to be part of a military tattoo. In this episode, you heard from Andrew Namakoma, Kenneth Ross, Lindsay MacDonald, Linda Dembo, and Dalis Ochaponda. It was produced and presented by me, Chimsy Dory, and Hazel Darwin-Clements, and was supported by the Scotland-Malawi Partnership. <laughs>